When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slash. All right. So we have some weekend recaps to get into pitchers, hitters, lineups I have the most questions about, and a few streamers along the way. I'll answer your questions as well. So without wasting too much time, we're going to dive right into one guy that I obviously uh, I think we just have to get out of the way. The whole Will Smith situation. I'm not sure what's happening there. So let's go ahead and uh, share the screen. Excuse me. Here we go. So Will Smith, he got the save last night. And the reason why it's notable is because of the fact that Leclerc should have been available. He hadn't pitched since the opening day. And then we see Smith coming in, throwing a little hotter than usual, you know, Maybe he was amped up. You got 1.3 on the fastball, 0.8 on the slider. So the velocity is there. The role is for the taking, I believe. I'm not a huge Le- Leclerc guy. I don't think Leclerc is going to be able to hold on to that role long term anyway, especially if you saw earlier this uh, earlier this season, excuse me, not spring, I'm trying to get spring training out of my head. Leclerc's velocity was way down too, and, I don't, and he just didn't seem like himself. So we'll see how that turns out. But all things considered, Will Smith is worth mentioning. Next player we're going to talk about is is uh let's let's jump over to Kodai Kodai Singa Singa Sanga sorry excuse me Kodai Singa and we're going to share this tab now and with Singa I'm just showing my Twitter feed because I tweeted about him he, I found him very intriguing these are strikeouts you can watch the strikeouts while I talk but uh Sango Sango Singa had himself a game you know he had eight strikeouts the Marlins you know let him out of a bit of a jam but that fork ball the ghost pitch whatever you want to call it was on point and these are the strikeouts all eight of his strikeouts were on that pitch now pitch it on that pitch but with that said you got to be care- be you know be careful to realize it is the marlins so it is what it is i mean it's how much more do you really expect from the marlins you know what i mean so we're in watch mode here but look look at the numbers he averaged 98 on the fastball almost 97 or sorry he averaged 96.8 Almost 97 on the fastball. Feature a four-pitch mix, throwing at least each of them 14% of the time, which tells you that it's a true four-pitch mix he's attacking hitters with. And he had a 34% strike uh, uh, CSW rate, which is called strikes uh, called plus swing, swinging strike rate. Jeez, I can't get the words out today. He put it all together. It was the Marlins, though. I don't know how much we could buy into it. But with that said, everything looks really good, and I like what, he, what we're seeing here. The next player we're going to jump over to is going to be Chris Bassett. At what point do we get concerned about Chris Bassett? Bassett, his velocity was down all spring. He threw like 30 pitches yesterday. Realistically, what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pitches yesterday. Velocities are way down over here, as you can see, all highlighted through up in here. He got hit hard. He allowed 10 balls over 100 miles per hour to be hit on him. Not all of them were home runs or anything, but they were all hard hit balls. That is too much hard contact for a guy who can't barely throw 92. Yesterday, he even went sub 90 on on one of the, on a couple of his fastball sinkers. So 
Bassett, I do have some concerns about. There's some red flags here. Maybe he's going to be a buy low candidate. Maybe somebody could bounce back. But there is, a, but the fact that the the velocity was down headed into the season, it's still down. So maybe he's still building up. But Bassett also just has question marks. I mean, does he even know what he wants to do? He threw what I mentioned six or seven different pitches yesterday. That's just that's too much. You need to. I think he's going to need to figure it out. I'm sure he will. He's a he's a veteran pitcher. But that's part of it. What is he like? 34, 35 years old. So he's not young anymore. That could be part of the issue here is that Bassett is just aging out and he has to learn how to be a pitcher more than a thrower. And he's, oh, I, I don't know. I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt. There's a track record there. Good team context. Just something I'm watching very closely. The next guy we're going to talk about here is going to be our boy. He's an industry favorite right now. He's the hot topics. Of course, I'm sorry, I'm beating a dead horse, but I want to talk about just how much Brendan Donovan is changing his or has changed his approach early on in the season. We are talking a very early look here, but it's a drastic night and day difference in approach. We talked about Donovan's approach a couple times. I'm sure you heard it on your favorite podcast, favorite show, but Donovan it's, it's mind blowing. And you can hear it. Like, I'm like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because look at the differences here. You see them line up next to each other. If you can, it might be hard to see on YouTube right now, but the pool rate, 61.5% compared to 35.5% last year. Ground ball rate, 36.5 compared to 52.8. So you're seeing him elevate the ball more already and pull the ball more. Fly ball rate, 50% compared to 11.3%. Where I'm very intrigued by is the – sorry, that was the pull fly ball rate. The pull fly balls was 50 – is 50% of his pull uh, – his fly balls pull are pulled in the air right now and compared to 11.3 last year. So there's a clear indication that that approach is what he is going for and it's working. His swing rate is up just about 10 – 10 points, 10% from 46.2% uh, compared to 37.8. The O swing is also up, which usually is not a great thing, but it's even while being up because he's being more aggressive, Donovan is still better than league average. Same thing with swing and strike rate. The swing and strike rate is up almost two, is up over 2%. However, it comes with, it's still way above league average. So he's doing all this and not walking at all. And last year, this is a guy who had a 12.8% walk rate. Donovan had a 12.8% walk rate, zero walks through his first four games. And it's because he's just being way more aggressive. And it's working. The power is going to be there as long as this approach sticks. And he has such a good hit tool. This is also, his 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 contact rates are still really solid. And I believe it was 93% was the contact rate for Donovan. So he's still doing all this being uber aggressive while being able to make really strong contact. And that's a skill set of his that pairing it all together, I think we can get 20 home runs here. And it's so weird to say because I think he had like five last year. Donovan is just so intriguing because we we heard about it, but we're seeing it put in motion right now. And not just put in motion, but like it's not just being put in motion, but you're seeing in the numbers now. The numbers are starting to come around and again, very early. So these are going to change drastically just over the next few games. But this early indication just has me very excited for him. But a guy that I'm not so excited for that was, you know, having a big spring. Everybody was in on him. It's still early. You can't say you're out. You shouldn't be out just yet. But you got to talk. We have to talk about um, Jared Kelnick here because Kelnick, through his four games, 14 play appearances, very small. But here we go again 42.9% strikeout rate. He's almost striking out half of his play appearances right now. Again, too early to, to be overly concerned. But considering his track record at the major league level, Yes, he had a strong spring, but that's what it was. It was a string. It was a spring training against minor league pitching. We know he crushes minor league pitching. He did have some a couple of tough matchups here against Cleveland, but with that said, we're still talking about a almost a fifty percent strikeout rate early on. We are not overreacting to fourteen plate appearances. What we are doing is making a note of it and keeping it, you know, top of mind. 
let's scroll down and look at this profile a little bit too because i'm sure there's more to it i purposely didn't break up break them down until i got on the stream today just because i wanted to see if there's anything there he is not pulling the ball much i'm surprised considering you know the shift band i figured he might try to maybe he's, I, I know he's not trying to pull as much either he's trying to take what's given to him but kalnick ground ball rates kind of up it's like ground ball fly balls no line drives that's gonna hurt any type of uh my uh batting average let's look at the plate discipline though because that's where i'm intrigued because we still have the same chase rate less swinging strike rate so he's not swinging strikes a whole lot his swing rate is way down the strikeouts could just could be partially due to kelnick being overly patient because what you're seeing here are the uh, contact rates way up contact rates are up what seven percent on the overall contact rate his z contact which is zone contact is up almost 10 full percentage points and the and the o contact the contact on pitches outside the zone are, is up just about 10 percentage points as well so kelnick is making more contact and less swing and miss in terms of swinging strikes however he's being very patient and that passive approach we're talking 10 percent less swing rate right now that's leading to some strikeouts he's getting pitchers are just striking them out and it's it's but at least that's where it becomes something that's a little more encouraging kelnick isn't swinging and missing he's improved on that so far early on it's been a bit of a passivity issue and that's why you can't just look at the number and be like oh here we go because maybe he can be a little more aggressive and fix that or maybe not it's a lot because we haven't seen him put together yet it's hard to say he's going to all of a sudden and you can see i'm kind of running through these it's because well i actually have something to do so it's gonna be a quick stream today I wanted to get one out. Another name I want to talk about is going to be Justin Steele of the Cubs. And the reason why I want to talk about him, he was a guy that, you know, popular sleeper pick, a guy that kind of started falling because Wes Neski was getting all the love and Wes Neski's a good pitcher. But Justin Steele had this breakout in the second half that got kind of, well, it was, it was the beginning of a breakout where it appeared to be a breakout. We saw all the numbers spike in the right direction and it came off of this tangible change in a pitch mix, which he has carried over. And I think that's what's worth mentioning here today. You see the slider and the four seamer are still the two th most thrown pitches. He barely threw the curveball. We're talking four other pitches total, 84 pitches, 80 of them were fastballs and sliders. And the reason why that's significant is because a lot of pitchers have a hard time succeeding with two pitches. So to say Steele will be one of those guys that will is a little premature. However, if he can, get, he can get through five innings pretty solid with, three, with two pitches, I would think. But the fact that he has the potential for more here, it's always nice knowing like, hey, he has that five-pitch arsenal, but he, de he, de he depends on these two, and I'm guessing if these don't work, then maybe he'll, he'll adapt. We did see you know, the vo increased velocity on the curveball, increased spin rate on the curveball, no real movement change, less horizontal break, which uh, would you would think it would be more break. Anyway, but uh, still succeeding with the two-pitch mix, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is that steel – Made that change, saw success, carried that change over, and he had success in his first outing. It was against the Brewers, which against lefties, they platoon players like Brousseau and uh, and Luke Voigt and stuff. So it's not the strongest lineup. However, Steele is going to be better than a streamer. He, in 12-teamers, he's probably a streamer. But ultimately, I think what we see is we're, I think we're going to get a solid year out of him if you buy into what we saw in the second half and if you buy into it, the fact that it carried over. And, I wouldn't, and the velocities are fine. It's all within normal outcomes here. Anybody else? Oh, so let's talk about some lineups, shall we? This is what I'm known for. This is my thing. So we're looking at lineups. Oh, not scrolling down. <laughs> we are right here. Let's get it above my head. Baseball reference. Just looking at the, let's, uh, we'll talk about if they dropped lineup today. They have not yet from what I'm seeing, but Tampa Bay, the Rays. The reason why I want to bring this lineup up is because I noticed a couple things. One, if you uh, look at the lefty against lefties, this is what you're getting. You're getting Margot, Han uh, Hanley Ramirez, goodness, Harold Ramirez, uh siri plays no matter what that's that's something we're gonna talk about in a little bit here and the reason why i'm bringing these two guys up here 
Margot and Ramirez, and even Paredes, who does move up against lefties, which is nice. It's good to see him move up against lefties because Paredes can end up getting more play appearances in that respect. However, we we look at we haven't seen enough lineups yet because if we look at just the righty lineups, there's no Paredes, there's no Margot, there's no Ramirez. Luke Rayleigh, a guy who had a really strong spring, is a guy that they actually uh, pinch hit for I think Ramirez the other day. You have uh, Nate, uh, sorry not Nate, Lowe. you have Brandon Lau, and you have uh, Josh Lowe. Lowe was kept up. Lowe started against a righty, and yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, Lowe actually pinch hit for Margot. So I'm watching this one very closely because as of right now, from the early indications, it looks like it could be a Margot-Lowe play, um, uh, platoon, but I could see Siri getting a day off today, which throws all of this out the window because if Siri gets a day off after playing three straight, you'll probably see Lowe and and uh Margot in lineup but you get my point i think Lowe's gonna play against righties Margot might sit against some righties and play obviously play, play against lefties Paredes i'd be surprised if he sat versus a left or sat versus all the righties i feel like but at the end of the day they did sit him against the one righty and that lineup is not up yet and they are facing a righty today and it's johnny cueto so it's one of those softer tossing righties they shouldn't sit Paredes against him but maybe Paredes sits against tougher righties though however it is very early I don't want to overreact. It's just these are the things I am keeping tabs on, and these are things that I focus on in the content. So I appreciate those who are hanging out. Obviously, subscribe goes a long way. I do these live streams two to three times a week. And for those listening on the podcast, it's youtube.com slash at GTE Fantasy, where you can see all the visuals. I'm Everything I'm talking, I'm actually visually showing people that are watching. So there's that. So check that out. Subscribe. It goes a long way. It's appreciated. Now let's move on. I'm not one for self-promotion overly too much, but although one more self-promotion, the Patreon, of course, patreon.com slash GTE fantasy, where all the stuff I'm talking about, I do in written form much more in depth and pretty much team by team almost every day. The savant stuff I do, I've been doing every day. I actually have to finish it up after we're done here with the stream. But the next lineup I brought up was or is the um, the Diamondbacks. I can't, I'm like, I'm like I can't think, dude. So the Diamondbacks versus let's look at lefties, lefty lineups. You'll notice Alex Thomas. Alec Thomas has sat one game. He sat this game and McCarthy sat the other. McCarthy and Thomas batting ninth in these lineups. McCarthy overall batting like seventh. But the reason why I brought this up is because you have Kyle Lewis leading off. So he's in the platoon. And then you have uh, Longoria in here. So he's on the weak side of the platoon. So Kyle Lewis and Longoria are going to need injuries for those platoons to actually be more than that. But they, these seem to be the platoon guys. Carroll, obviously not a platoon. He's played every game. And then you have against, so we, we take lefties out of the equation. You look at just righties, and these are your stars against right-handed pitching. You have Joshua Huss leading off, which was something they showed towards the end of spring training, which people weren't really buying into. And I'm like, it's probably going to happen, but I think Carroll's going to hit his way up sooner than later. Carroll's batting fifth against righties. And you saw that Carroll slots lower against lefties, where he slot, he slotted sixth, but then seventh on opening day. So that's what it was. Uh, but yeah, so you have him slotting. And then Guriel, Lourdes Guriel Jr., just quietly solid hitting for good average. Last I checked, I mean, it's early on, obviously, four games. You can hit for good average in four games. Anyone can for the most part, any four-game stretch. But you get my point. It's kind of a skill set. But he's batting third, and there's RBI opportunities there. There's a little bit of pop in that bat, and obviously good batting average. That's a skill set that might be harder to come by. I'm realizing, for me, batting average is kind of hard to come by, and Guriel's been helping. But like guys like him, Garrett Cooper, who bats third every day, That's a uh, those are guys that can help you kind of set them and forget them types. Nothing too special there. But yeah, anyway, back to this lineup. Guriel third, that's going to stick for a little bit. They like him there. They went out and traded him for him for a reason. What we have here with uh, McCarthy, the reason I brought him up is because McCarthy's still batting lower half of this lineup. Now he did obviously bat here. He he obviously did bat sixth yesterday, but that was with uh, 
Moreno out. So with Moreno in, he's probably going to be batting seventh. But when you drafted McCarthy this offseason on top, like what, 120, 130 pick, you're expecting somewhere up here. And that's not the case. He's going to have to hit his way up. I wonder how he's doing. Let's look up his stats real quick, shall we? Because McCarthy is a guy that we've seen him. The thing is, everyone's banking on him because he ran hot one time. Everyone's talking about how, like, he ran hot for half a season because, and then of course the AAA numbers didn't hurt. But prior to this, like, hot AAA, hot second half, he's always been like speed first, meh power guy. Like, look, like it's just, I mean, the power, but also in the minors, it played a very friendly confines for power. So the fact that the power was there, that's why you saw the jump there. There you go, this is the jump in ISO. But yeah, so I don't know. I'm not a big McCarthy guy, and you're seeing it. I mean, he doesn't strike out a whole lot. That's normal. He will still bases. That's also normal. But losing plate appearances, not uh, right now. The contact is not finding its way again. Very early. Keeping the ball off the ground. That's interesting. But it's not leading to anything. I don't know, I'm just looking at him. I'm like, eh, I'm not really all that. I, I'm just not a McCarthy guy. I'm trying to find something to like about him. Let's look at the. Uh, co- let's look at the con- plate skills. Plate skills. Plate skills. Here we go. So still good contact rates. I mean, no, not great actually. So probably they're above average. Uh, so well, above average. Uh, above average overall contact. Low average zone contact. He's making a lot of contact outside of the zone. By making that much contact out of outside of the zone, McCarthy is prone to weaker contact. Plus the fact that he's not a natural power hitter, he's even more prone to weaker contact the more he's willing to come out of the zone to swing. Does swing a lot in the zone though. Just stuff like that. Just stuff I'm looking at. But again, I just want to emphasize over and over again, we are talking four freaking games. It is impossible to judge anybody based on four games. A couple notes, a couple things worth noting, I should say that I, I don't have visuals for because it's hard. You can't really visualize. So you know what? You guys can see my face for a moment. So something I want to talk about, Yankees lineup. I guess I could have brought, I could have brought that page up. But real quick, Oswaldo Cabrera, not really worried for his playing time. He needs to start hitting a little more consistently. The first game was ugly, but Cabrera, as of, he's strung together a couple hits, he might sit today just because he's played three straight, I believe. Or I know he's played three straight, but I'm not sure if it's three or four games. I always forget which team's played three or four. It doesn't matter. My point being is that Cabrera, his playing time has been secured. Hicks hasn't even started a game. They actually started IKF over Hicks. So the fact that they're willing to start IKF over Hicks tells me all I need to know about Hicks. So when Beta returns, Hicks is not early in the picture. Cabrera is going to probably stick to the outfield and move around. But again, we need to see Cabrera get going to secure that spot, make us all feel a little better. And the next one I want to talk about here is Nick Gordon. Gordon started every game, but what you don't see if you don't pay attention, or it's hard to actually pay attention to this stuff, but I'm trying to make an effort to, he got pinch hit for in all three games. So Nick Gordon, this guy that I've been, I was really in on, I'm still not like dropping him in 15s and 12s. He's droppable. He was already fringe in 12s to begin with, but Nick Gordon's a guy that we know the power. There's low power, a little speed. The hits was there. I think he'll come around. He's off to a slow start. But how can you? How can he come around if he's not being given the opportunity to play full games? Three games he's been pinched for all three times by Kyle Farmer, from what I was looking at earlier. So that is a guy that is not really doing much. And we're gonna go back to uh, add this stream. Here we go. So we're gonna look at some lineups that dropped today and talk about some of these teams. Uh, no questions, no problem. If you drop one in, the, if you go to the YouTube and drop one in, I'll answer it. If not. We'll, we'll probably call it uh, wrap it up after this. As much as I love talking baseball, there's a game on I want to watch. So the Mets, they are what they are. Lefties, you're going to see uh, Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham will also factor as a fourth outfielder. Vogelbach will get the strong side of a platoon. No big deal. Oh, I lied. I have a couple uh deep league streamers to talk about too. And then, then I'll be heading out. Uh, but other than that, we're on Brett Beatty watch. He should be on your, uh, if you're not roster, if you're not rostering him, try to make a point to uh it's gonna be hard to like in teams if you have leagues without corner infield type of things but other than that Beatty is should be universally rostered i mean he already is in deeper formats so it's not really a name that anyone doesn't know about right now 
Brian Anderson, if you uh, in deeper leagues, he's already rostered for the most part, but he's going to play just about every day. He's playing third base right now with Luis Urias out six to eight weeks. Not to mention he was playing right field before that. If if Joey Weimer does not show he can hang it hang, which is another guy that was a big waiver wire darling this week, he's gonna he he's played against a lefty and a righty, so there's no real platoon issues there. Concerns Weimer should get full run. The only player here that's gonna platoon is probably my, my boy Bryce Terang, which he has been platooning so far. But now with less options at second base, they do have Perso though. They do have uh, Owen Miller, who they want to get in there against lefties. So we could see him still lose playing time to them, even though I don't believe he should. However, Terang's a guy, batting average, speed, some pop, wouldn't bet on too much, but a guy I like nonetheless. Mitchell's also sat against the lefty, so watch this. If this platoon shows up all of a sudden, I'd be a little surprising, but it's not out of the question. And Winker is in a platoon. He's batting second against righty, so there are plate appearances there and potential for you know some power, some of that power to show up and all that. But his on-base skill set is what keeps Winger batting top of the order. If he doesn't have it, then he's not going to sustain that spot in the, in the order. The Giants are a pain, but with uh, Bart on the IL, you have Roberto Perez getting run. They did sign Gary Sanchez, so Sanchez will probably get called up to be a depth piece. However, if Blake Sable proves able that rhymed okay cool if blake sable proves able he will be the backup catcher and fourth outfield type right now he's getting everyday run so for the short term blake sable's still a guy that in two catcher formats uh, and not only he's a guy who's getting played appearances but when hanniger returns which doesn't seem like he should be out much longer maybe another couple weeks before the end of probably mid-april sable will have now will now kind of return to his reserve role because he's a lefty they have all they have are lefty outfielders pretty much but i think sable's going to turn into a fourth outfielder slash backup catcher type but if he hits him but if he hits well you know the dh he'll be able to factor into the dh mix and all that too but just something the thing about with sable vr is playing third base not really a guy i'm interested in right now though lamont wade kind of underappreciated dual position eligibility leads off kind of a Kind of a name to know just for that reason. This lineup's pretty well set. Just watching if Colos is actually gonna um is actually gonna platoon. We haven't seen him face a lefty since the one that he sat against. And that's that. Vaughn's playing just about every day. This lineup is a mess. Um, if your name is not TJ Friedel or Jonathan India, you are pretty much platooning right now. Outside of obviously Stevenson, uh, Will Myers. Stevenson has played, look, DH. I think Stevenson even got to start first base. So they're doing what they said. They're not playing a whole lot at catcher. Stevenson's gonna play most of the days between DH and first base and catcher. Uh, Myers obviously moves up against lefties, moves, moves down against the righties. But your your Jake Fraley's, your your oh, Spencer Steer's not in here right now? Oh, there he is. Second, I was a bat second against lefties. He's off to a pretty strong start in terms of power. Steer's going to play every day at third base because they, they lack the depth there. Uh, Barrero has actually played three out of four, I believe, two at shortstop, one in center field. So outfield eligibility is possible, but the fact that there's playing time there, now he just needs to start hitting. Miami, this outfield's a mess. I don't like anything about this damn outfield. Like Garcia, for whatever reason, Avisael Garcia, for some reason, still getting a whole bunch of playing time. Makes no sense to me. But uh, De La Cruz getting the start today. This is after two straight starts from uh, Jesus Sanchez. It's kind of a little merry-go-round. They're each playing like two at a time, sitting, and it's I don't want any of them. Segura, after starting off the first two games batting second, they moved him down after putting Soler back in the two spot. Soler's making a ton of hard contact. One of 12 players with um, at least six balls, batted balls of 100 miles per hour or more. Fun fact for the day. He's one of he's one of 12. And so Cedric Mullins and Jordan Walker made that list too. Those were the names I was actually trying to highlight. And I realized Soler, still, he still got it. Not that I ever really doubted it. Kepler leading off. He hasn't done anything with his opportunity, but he's leading off. The play appearances are there. Larnick, big spring, 
it's coming over. It's it's um, rolling over into the regular season right now. You'd love to see it. Gallo, he's running hot. This is a guy that if you in Joey Gallo, this is a guy that not only should gain first base eligibility, by the way, but Joey Gallo is a guy that when he runs hot, you ride the hot streaks. When he runs cold, you get off. Right now, he's running hot, at least as of yesterday. And that I don't see how that could change against Johnny Cueto, but maybe Cueto could play those mind games on the on the mound that he usually does. Again, oh here the so usually Bobby Witt Melendez at the top. Uh, we've seen Franmil start a few games, but now Franmil sat I think too straight as they get Nate Eaton in there. Uh, Massey's batting. Four. This lineup is terrible. Uh, Kyle Espel is guaranteed to play every day pretty much. He has been. He should have that spot held down until Drew Waters returns. But Edward Alvarez is not a guarantee. Look, he's out today. They are playing guys like Nate Eaton, Nate Eaton, Jackie Bradley Jr. over Edward, Edward, Edward Alvarez. That should tell you all you need to know about this lineup, unfortunately, and their trust in Alvarez. I honestly, I haven't even looked at how Alvarez is performing this spring or this. I keep calling it spring because it's, it's a regular season. This regular season yet, but I don't know if they believe in them long term. So when Drew Waters returns anyway, that he could be the odd man out. Isbell could be playing strong side with all of ours, which we've seen that platoon in the past as well. But Fran Mill is a he's just like an in and out odd factor. And they actually moved Bobby Witt down. I just realized that I kind of looked over him because because I'm looking for what's his face there and Patino up to second. Interesting. Stacking lefties. So they're, OK, they're stacking lefties at the top against that's what's happening today. OK, they're stacking lefties, which gets Fran Mill out, which gets all of ours out. But this is also something that they will do in general. I don't know. It's again, it's the Royals. It's it's a mess. It's not and Barrios. If he can't bounce back with this two step, then I'm just I guess I'm done. And I think that's all the lineups for today. A couple deep league guys we'll talk about on the way out. Uh, real quick, two deep league hitters, two deep league uh, pitchers, Alex Call and Connor Capel. These guys are Capel's facing five righties. He's a lefty. Good chance he platoons over there in Oakland. Uh, Alex Call, good amount of uh, I think there's like three or four. Three or four lefties on the on the schedule for him this week. Gets a series in in Colorado, and with Corey Dickerson out, he got the start yesterday. Should start in general. Plus, he gets the good matchups because he is usually on that side of the platoon against lefties anyway. Two guys that I'm starting and I'm gonna hopefully don't regret it is gonna be Cutter Crawford and Josh Fleming this week. Fleming getting the Nats, Crawford getting Pittsburgh, possibly Detroit if they give him the two step. But there's a chance that he doesn't make that second start. Still a good one start option. Two guys I am streaming in deeper, very, again, much deeper formats. With that said, appreciate everyone checking out the stream podcast, all the good stuff. Subscribe, uh, hit that five-star rating on your way out if you're listening. Appreciate it, and we will be back later this week. Thanks. Thanks.